Hi, I'm Mike Stutchbury, and welcome to the fourth episode of Get Fact. This week, I'm trying something a little different. I'm devoting the entire episode to one topic, the fall of the Roman Empire. Come sit. Let us talk together now. Very simply, as men. Well, Maximus. Talk. I've seen much of the rest of the world. It is brutal and cruel and dark. Rome is the light. Yet you have never been there. You have not seen what it has become. Rome fascinates us. It often gets called the world's first superpower, stretching across the Mediterranean, from Scotland in the north to Egypt in the south. It provides the bedrock for many of the civil institutions that feature in today's Western societies, and greatly influences our language. It has a colourful, exotic appeal that makes it a favourite of fiction, film, and television. But, like many historical periods, it also often gets co-opted for political ends. Some fringe groups, usually on the right, like to claim that it was a kind of moral degeneracy that led to the collapse of Roman civilization, and that that same sort of behaviour is rampant in our own. Others say that once it got lax on its borders, it began to crumble from within. It is, predictably, a favourite of the alt-right. History, of course, is complex. Historical events, especially on the macro scale, are influenced by countless factors. It is almost impossible to lay the blame for what occurred on one specific incident, idea or natural event. However, what I thought I'd do this week is run through some of the factors that many historians agree contributed to the fall of the Roman Empire, to get a sense of how it went from superpower to subpar. Pressure from the east is seen as one decisive contributing factor to the fall of the empire. While the Germanic tribes had fought against Rome for centuries, with many eventually joining, the migration of the Goths away from the advancing Huns presented a whole new raft of challenges. Around 375 CE, the leader of the Goths, Fritigern, asked that his people be allowed within the borders of the empire to escape Hun attacks. They were allowed in, but horribly mistreated during a famine. This was a very, very unfortunate mistake, as one of the conditions of their entry was military service. So the eventual inevitable revolt was significantly better equipped and organised than it would have been otherwise. Fridigan's successor, Alaric, would be the one to sack Rome twice early in the next century. So why were the Romans asking the Goths to fight for them? Here we come across another contributing factor to the fall of Rome. Rome's pride was its legions, drawn from across the citizenry. To be a Roman legionary was to fight and slog your way across the far-flung, muddy corners of the empire, but there was a pension at the end of 25 years, and often some land taken from conquered territories. Once Rome stopped expanding its borders, and a plentiful supply of new land dried up, military service became a much less appealing proposition for young men, particularly in the outer provinces. Disease also had a major impact on the Roman Empire and its army, necessitating more recruits. The Antonine Plague first observed in modern-day Iraq, swept westwards, killing great numbers in the mid to late 2nd century. As I said in last week's podcast, it is thought that a second outbreak of the disease in the 170s killed 1 in 10 soldiers, severely reducing the army's fighting capacity. It took decades, sometimes even up to a century, for some provinces to again reach the output of men and produce that they had maintained beforehand. All military resources had to be focused on maintaining Rome's borders, rather than expanding them. The damage caused by the Antonine Plague and a reduced military capacity 
itself contributed to another factor, a failing economy. Rome's expansion had meant boom times as new territories were conquered and their resources turned towards feeding the imperial machine. Even more importantly, newly conquered territories were a major source of slaves that were a foundation of the Roman economy. They picked the olives, they made the pots, they were the engine of trade, basically. Run out of cheap slaves and the economy starts to slow and stagnate. Thus, maintaining and securing the borders became a priority. Conquest itself was simply too expensive. Corruption and mismanagement don't help an ailing economy. Corruption had always existed in Rome, even since before Julius Caesar took power and established the empire. But as it expanded, the checks and balances that demanded at least some accountability fell by the wayside. Every office from provincial governor down became available for a price, meaning that many unsuited to their positions were able to govern incompetently without censure. A shadow economy sprang up, circumventing much of the official bureaucracy. Official documents such as army rosters became hopelessly padded, meaning that the empire began to have an inflated idea of its own strength. Some suggest that the empire's woes really began when it split into two distinct halves, the Eastern and Western Roman empires. This was the initiative of the emperor Diocletian in the 3rd century, who decided that the entire empire was too big to be ruled by one person. Two emperors held equal rank, and the system worked well for over a century, until the late 4th century, when the Western Roman Empire began to suffer from repeated attacks from the Goths and other Germanic tribes. Meanwhile, the eastern half, ruled from Constantinople, or Byzantium at the time, prospered and was able to adequately defend itself. It wouldn't entirely fall until 1453 CE. I'm inclined to agree with those who suggest that the Tetrarchy, or Rule of Four, also helped to destabilise the Roman Empire. This was another initiative of Diocletian in the 290s, when he appointed Maximian as a sort of junior emperor. Ostensibly, this was supposed to help defend the empire against attack, since an emperor needed to be able to travel quickly to meet his armies in battle. More emperors, more flexibility. This all sounds very good in practice, but it only works if you have committed, strong individuals in charge, and not, you know, sneaky, scheming bastards. People who can work well with their co-emperor. Once these first co-emperors died, squabbles inevitably ensued over who would succeed, leading to bloody and damaging civil wars. It was one of these conflicts that would lead to the system being retired fairly quickly, with the victory of Constantine over Maxentius at that famous battle at the Milvian Bridge. So, as you can see, historians have attributed the demise of the Roman Empire to many commingling factors. It's extremely difficult to put our finger on one particular moment, decision or influence and say, there, that's it, that's what did in the Romans. However, everyone loves the soundbite, so let me see if I can put it as succinctly as possible. <clears throat> Why did Rome fall? Fragmentation, devastation and rank corruption. In my opinion, and I stress this is just my opinion, any time a social group, whether it be a tiny hamlet or a mighty civilization, delegates or devolves decision-making power around itself, without a strong central core, bureaucracy and shared set of values, it inadvertently creates pressure points, weak spots. Corruption and nepotism weaken these shared values, make them cease to matter. People stop caring. With no rigid accountability structures and shared values, Natural disasters such as famine or plague can cause the disintegration of the social compacts that make up civilizations or hamlets. In a sense, in my opinion, Rome fell because of basic human nature, equal parts hubris and greed. That said, this is just one reading of the fall of the Roman Empire. 
ask five historians and they'll give you five different summations, depending on their worldview and unconscious biases. I won't deny, mine is probably riddled with them. If the fall of the Roman Empire is something that interests you, what I encourage you to do is read widely. We can only gain something approaching true understanding of big historical events like this by taking in a multiplicity of views. The fall of Rome is something that has been written about since the 18th century, ever since Edward Gibbon picked up his pen to write The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire, so you're hardly going to run short of material. I'm going to be attaching a reading list to my Patreon with a number of great books I've enjoyed on the subject. I encourage you to comment or write to me with your own views as to why Rome fell. I'd love to share them with my audience and give some different perspectives. After all, that's what the study of history is all about. So that's the fourth episode of Get Fact, and I hope you enjoyed the different format I tried this week. If there's another idea, historical event, or subject you'd like me to devote an entire episode to, catch me on Twitter or comment on my Patreon with your suggestions. If you like what you heard, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash underscore, or making a one-off donation at paypal.me slash mikestutchbury. All funds go to keeping things running and resources for this show, which is going to be getting bigger and better over the next couple of weeks. Until next time, this is Mike Stutchbury telling you to get fact. <laughs>